Hey, Captain Cash, don't you just hate it when demonic homicidal bikers tripping on bad acid start killing truckers and hookers? Who doesn't hate that? I mean, sex work is work, and we are facing a major shortage of truck drivers right now. Right, that's pretty bad. But do you know what's worse? When some long-haired Manson family wannabes burn your girlfriend alive. That does sound awful. And oh boy, we have some good news for the two of you. Tonight, we have a movie combining both of those terrifying concepts and starring Nick Cage. Yes, folks, I'm talking about 2018's Mandy. Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. and thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Hops and Box Office Flops presented by Wobam Entertainment. We are the number one bad movie and good beer podcast as rated by the children of the new dawn. I, Chumpzilla, will be hosting tonight for our second installment in our Hops and Cage Match Flop series. And I'm happy to be hosting what I feel is one of the better movies we've had on this podcast and had the pleasure of reviewing, it is 2018's Mandy. And joining me tonight on this episode is our resident bathtub LSD cook, the Thunderous Wizard. Also, I murdered Batman's dad, who then became the cult leader. So things worked out for Thomas Wayne. And the many things I expected to see was not Batman's dad's dick. Nope, not on the uh, menu. Did not have that on my uh, my my bingo card. Just Thomas didn't. Thomas Wayne's Wayne, Little Wayne. Oh, the Little Wayne. Wayne, Little Wayne. No, I'm yeah. sorry, that's the purifier. That yeah. was some Furian cock. Uh, I just want to tell you that you can buy all of Jeremiah's music on vinyl <laughs> if you'd like. <laughs> you, you have it on vinyl, don't you? You pretentious dick. <laughs> no, it was legit released, wasn't it? Yeah, no, along with the score for the movie, which I, I tried to get too late. It was sold out, but you can still That's get so Jeremiah's. <laughs> Did you write this? Yes. Not yourself? Anyway. Uh, and also joining us tonight is the failed folk singer and cosplay cult leader, Captain Cash. Like, we usually do a quote from the movie, And the only thing I can really think to do is just shriek, but I can't do it as well as Nick Cage does it. So I'm just not even going to try to, to your defense there, Captain Cash. He did have an uncredited scream coach on this film. So don't feel bad. He had help. I want to ask what the help was, but now I'm concerned that maybe that's one of those things that was not meant for man to know. That's that's, that's, that's straight Coppola. Don't don't push it. Um, And sadly, the mayor is not with us tonight. He apparently had some bad acid and is is currently fighting with demonic snorks in his basement. We uh, we all wish him well. Good luck, Michis. He's in a spiky leather suit (laughs) fighting demonic snorks. That's kind of his standard Sunday, right? 
Yeah, mean, pretty much. I mean, he's into that for sure. It is Cleveland. As always, you can find the pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and Beoflops. You can download us anywhere you find the finest podcasts. And don't forget to check out Wobam Entertainment at W-O-B-A-M-E-N-T on Twitter and Instagram for all of your LSD-fueled, drifter-killing pop culture needs. Wow, Whew, that was a mouthful, folks. The pod does not endorse the killing of drifters or the doing of LSD. But and I mean Minecraft. Yes, but we don't <laughs> not not endorse those things. So I guess what I'm trying to say is do what you want. We're not cops. Whatever makes you happy. If you have but... a chance to join a bitchin' biker gang that doesn't follow the rules and only rides at night, we're not gonna judge you. That's all we're gonna say. How could we? How could we? Well, gentlemen. That does, in fact, bring us to beer. For tonight, I've gone with Southern Prohibition Brewing's Devil's Harvest Breakfast IPA. Southern Prohibition is out of Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And yes, folks, I'm sorry. That is Brett Favre's hometown. So How Brett dare Favre. you bring this beer on the pod? How dare you? Everybody Next get you your crocs on. Crocs. Get your Crocs on. Yep. Uh, but I did feel this was an excellent pairing for a movie that featured religious wackos and demonic bikers. Devil's Harvest, come on. You know, I mean, fair. It's thematically there. But, you know, so, so the, uh, the Devil's Harvest is a session IPA and therefore checks in with a Captain Cash disappointing 4.9 ABV. Sorry. Um, and the rules. Got to be seven. Mm, Got to be seven. Yeah, no. This is under the bar for Captain Cash, but it pours a pale yellow with a decent two fingers ahead, and I can confirm that, and it gives off the aroma of grapefruit with hints of pine and herbs. Um, the brewers use citra and mosaic hops and only whirlpool and dry hopping techniques to keep the beer light and less bitter than your standard American IPA. So you know, that being said, there's just enough malt and oat notes to hang on to some of the hop oils so you still get some of that flavor and it does give the beer that little bit of haziness though it's pretty clear for an ipa Uh, but anyway it's light it's crisp and i can taste some of the sweeter citrus notes in it as well in addition to the grapefruit that you kind of smell when you pop the can so overall this is a very crushable session ipa which i guess breakfast session same thing whatever and it does give you plenty of hoppy aroma and citrus flavors. Wow. And this is important for our, our buddy, the writer TLK. Uh, it takes it easy on your palate and your sensitive tum-tum and your liver with that lower ABV. So I'm going to give The Devil's Harvest a solid three bad movies. Um, it is fantastic. It's not bad. You can find it just about anywhere year-round in sixers of 12 ounce cans so cheers gentlemen and i'm going to pop one right now the liver is an organ that deserves to be punished it knows what it did it has fantastic regenerative properties but sometimes you can give it a break i'm just saying it feels like joe chill stole that recipe technique for his lsd that turns the bikers into uh semi-demonic goons like maybe i got questions and i want to We'll, we'll talk about it, but yeah. Well, Joe Chill aside, let's move on to the tail of the tape here, gentlemen. Mandy premiered at the Sundance Film Festival in January of 2018 
and went on to receive a limited theatrical release later that fall, playing in only 250 theaters. And of course, it did hit the VOD market the day after its theatrical release, so it was pretty much a VOD movie. It Let's really be honest. feels like this flew pretty hard under the radar. and Super. Like, we did some Nick Cage movies back in, what, two years ago in 2020? Yeah. And like, this feels like... I. I didn't even know about this then. Well, I did recommend it. I own this movie. Uh, and I had seen it after it came out because I saw how well reviewed it was and how crazy it looked. And I love this movie. But what I really appreciate about Nick Cage in general is that there's just no other actors that are going to take swings like this movie. And we're going to get into like, this movie is a serious mind fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and the director is a big part of that, too. Like, I, I fully agree with you there, T-Dubs. Nick Cage knew exactly what he was signing up with, or signing up for, that is, with this director. Like, this is, I have no question in my mind that Nick Cage saw this guy's, because Nick Cage is not, you know, he's not a, a, an amateur. The guy's a pro. He researched this director. He watched his previous work. He knew exactly what he was getting into. And he's like, oh, I'm on board for this 100%. Yeah, like, and I can uh, point out the re- the rest of the cast are people that have acting credits. This is not yeah. like some this slasher movie uh, with a bunch of unknowns. This this movie is filled with people that are character yeah. actors this or is career a, actors. One of his stereotypical cash checkers, which yes, he's done a lot of because he was in in debt. Uh, but yeah, yeah, this is a movie he recognized could could be a cult classic, and I think it has mm-hmm. become that, and it's very well loved. So it's 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 cinema this is cinema folks there's no doubt this is a legit movie this is not genre schlock it's genre but it's not schlock and make no mistake it was never going to make money this was built for people to find it over time and to appreciate what it brings i mean not just find it over time but i feel like find it at like 3 a.m after a bender uh i'm still going what's on what am I watching? Holy shit. Why is Nick Cage in this? But so that being said, Mandy was produced on a budget of $6 million. Which is tight. It, only, uh, it looks more expensive than that, I'll be honest. It really does. This movie is beautifully shot. And color, yeah, no. like the, the color saturations, uh, the, the interludes of, uh, of animation, like mm. the way he frames things. Like this is... A, I, this is a beautiful movie. I will yeah, say no. the animation is the one part that didn't completely work for me here. Agreed. That'll come up later. I, but I would the agree visuals, with that. To, to your point, though, T-Dubs, the visuals in this film, fantastic. The framing, the colors, the blocking. This, this director has tons of potential. This is his second movie. So I think he's got the moon is, is the limit here. But yeah, it only pulled in 1.5 million in theaters. But I will say, I'm pretty sure this probably made most of his money back on VOD. I bet a ton of people have rented this. I, b- I bet you they've got some I, of that money back. I think they this got my, made all this money back. Yeah. They got my 99 cents for renting it on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, they got my 399 because they didn't have any credits for it. So dang it. But I, yeah, so anyway, <clears throat> Mandy currently holds a 90% on Rot Tomatoes. I will repeat that. It has a 90% on Rot Tomatoes with the critic score, and an 81 on Metacritic. Now, sadly, the user scores are inexplicably lower 
at 67 and 6.9, and which I find bizarre for a quasi-genre flick. How can the user scores be lower? I cannot condone that. I am just absolutely blown away by that because this is a legit highbrow horror flick. It's yeah, this is the complete opposite of the idiocy where like a, a mainstream movie will get just panned and they're like, well, but look at the user score. It's so high. It's yeah. like, yeah, I'm sorry that you like shitty movies. Like, right. I'm sorry. I, I understand that you wanted Morbius to be good, but it's not. So. <laughs> well, yeah. But, and that's usually the, the, the trope for the genre flicks. It's panned by the critics. It gets a bump from the users, but this is the opposite. The critics love it. The users downgrade it. And Again, I don't understand it. Again, it's a highbrow horror flick. It's atmospheric. It's creepy in all the best ways. Um, I'm really not sure where those audience scores are coming from. I don't get it. And, I, but I, I will freely admit, though, hold on, gentlemen, let's be honest. Our fellow panelist, the Mayor McCheese, he watched 20 minutes of this movie and tapped out. He said, no, I'm 20 minutes in. I am done. Now, so can, for your reference- mileage may vary. Did I not beg him to hang on until the second hour of the movie? You did. You did. I said, just let it get there. Everything is building to the last hour of the movie. So yes, is it a little bit slow, but the movie wouldn't have the effect that it has if they shortchanged the first hour. This is a a tragic movie full of (laughs) fucked up imagery and it wouldn't hit nearly as hard if the first hour is like a, a just total throwaway. Yeah, Here, I might need your uh, advice here or your perspective, T-Dubs, because I would not call this a classic slow burn. There is a bit of a slow burn element to it, but I never felt like it dragged in terms of the plot. Uh, But there are parts of it that are slower than others. There's there's a lot of like long shots Mm -hmm. uh, of you know, uh, just centering on Nicolas Cage waking up from uh, getting knocked out or waking up from a LSD-induced delirium or or focusing on, like, the shifting of the, the landscapes because mm-hmm. of what he's experiencing. So, I mean, you could probably cut 10 minutes out of the movie, but, like, the imagery is so striking that I wouldn't do it. Like, this isn't, like, like Dune, I think... Cause there's going to be two parts to Dune. We talked about like how many yeah. times they look off longingly into the distance in Dune. And yeah. it was a little bit annoying. I don't get that here because this is a well, very there's a little bit of it though. Two there's hours, a little movie, bit of but there is, it feels a little indult self-indulgent when it's like, yeah. 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 I mean, again, no, I... it's not bad, but I understand where Mary McCheese is coming from. This is not a movie for everybody. This is, this movie is weird. Yeah, let's put it this way. John Peters would not approve of the pace. There's not an action scene every 10 well, minutes. John Peters wouldn't understand this movie. So. Strictly Fair. speaking, I'm not 100% sure I understand this movie, but... No, I'm right there with you. There, there's parts of this that confuse me, but I, I think oh, I get the basics. Yeah. But, but yeah, okay. So anyway, <clears throat> uh, it was released unrated, and it does have a runtime of 121 minutes. And you can find it streaming on several services for between $2.99 and $3.99. Hey, so there you go. You should I, just buy I it. would you just should just it. you should rent it and check it out. It's worth I, seeing, I, if I you bought have this it. and color out of space is a package on Voodoo for 20 bucks, and I don't regret a second of that. 
Oh, uh, so now you're getting the voodoo bucks. We got Chumzilla. Yeah. I've always shelling Tubi. And now you've got the voodoo bucks. I bet it was cheaper. We got to show show (laughs) streaming services. Got to make that money somehow. Yeah. Daddy's got to pay them bills. Uh, But anyway, anyway, support our Patreon. Yeah. Uh, Captain Cash has got the link. It's in his Twitter. You can find it. Uh, But anyway, Mandy was directed and co-written by Panos Cosmatos, the son of George Cosmatos, who was the director of Rambo 2, Cobra, and Tombstone. Weird. Now, this was uh, this is Panos's second feature film coming after 2010's equally trippy Beyond the Black Rainbow. More on that later. And it's oh, the name alone for that, right? Right, yeah. And and because this is not in the quiz, this film was also. Mandy, that is, was partially produced by Elijah Wood. So neat. I mean, you know, Hobbit's got mm-hmm. a Hobbit. Mm-hmm. I, th- yeah. I think he and Nick Cage are buddies. They're in a movie together that's actually pretty good. I'll, I'll look. Boy, up I hope so. And mention if it later. If they're not, yeah. I, I, I won't go want to hear it. I choose but to believe they are. It's a is, good is that the movie. is that the Ice Storm? Uh, no, he's not. Nicholas Cage is not in the Ice Storm. That's Kevin Klein. <laughs> but same thing. Whatever. No. Uh, I'll look it up. Yeah, it's it's like a heist movie. It's actually pretty good. Oh, uh, okay. National Treasure. Again, uh, yes, that's a heist movie, but no, not that one. Oh, okay. Anyway, so Mandy does star Nicholas. You rip my shirt. Cage is red. Uh, we have uh, uh, Andrea. I look familiar, but trust me, that was someone else. Risenborough as the titular Mandy. We have Linus the purifier slash Thomas Wayne Roche as Jeremiah. Welcome back to the pod. We've also got Richard Night King slash Joe Chill break as the chemist. Again, welcome back to the pod bonus. He was also the creep in doom. Yes, he was. Yeah. yeah. He was the, uh, I guess he was like a pedophile. right? At a certain point, I your face just looks creepy that, and, that's I, how you're going to get cast. Talk to Clint Howard. Yeah. My one big beef with this oh, movie. Clint Howard. I'm so sorry. He should be Jeremiah, not Thomas Wayne. Well, yeah. I, think, I think it came down to who had the bigger dick, but that'll come up later. Maybe the smaller dick, because that is the whole <laughs> ethos. Oh, yeah. Jeremiah's no, actually. Head. Oh. He's totally got tiny dick energy, Jeremiah. That's, that's much more canon, I'm sure. Uh, we have Ned Dennehy, his brother Swan, and then. Owen Fuyar, Fourier, Fourier, his mother, Marlene, uh, she is also in the recently released The Norseman. So congratulations oh, nice. first. I really still want to see that. She's one of Finland's most famous actresses, apparently. Mm, good for her. Yeah, fun fact. Good. And let's not forget, though, we do get a solid cameo from Bill. I'll bleed you. Real quiet Duke as Carruthers. Bill Duke rules. And he I does love rule. him in everything also bill duke does a ton of directing so it's not like he just like randomly appears here and like you haven't seen him in years like he's been very active and gosh man the only thing i could have wished is like you know what if this was like a soulless hollywood production then bill duke and nicholas cage would have went together and just massacred everyone (laughs) and i still would have loved it but also how he how he doesn't show up in the end to help out is disappointing it is a little like he is kind of like here and you're gone. teased. All right, you're teased. It's the guy from Commander. He's going to show up later. He does. Yeah. It's all sad. we needed was him sweating profusely and saying, "I'm going to have me some fun." 
I just wouldn't see him. I just wouldn't see him like dry shaving with the razor until he breaks it under the tension. Like dry shaving with the axe that Nicolas Cage forges for vengeance. No, no, no. Stop, only stop. Cage I, gets to handle that axe. I can only get so erect. Stop. Okay. Uh, anyway, gentlemen, that brings us to our one-liners. And let me start here first with the IMDb description of this film, which goes as follows. The enchanted lives of a couple in a secluded forest are brutally shattered by a nightmarish hippie cult and their demon biker henchmen, propelling a man into a spiraling, surreal rampage of vengeance. Now, I want to say this, in all honesty, that might be the most accurate and concise IMDb one-liner we have ever seen on any of the movies we've ever covered. That's this movie. That's pretty much it. That's it. That's the film. Boom. That is the film. Nailed Bang. it. They nailed yeah. it. Yeah. I'm, I'm impressed. Like, I'm shocked, frankly. Yeah, usually, I, like, with a film like this, you think that IMDb is going to totally fumble the description. No, and, and the fact that they, they sprinkle in that enchanted part, which alludes to some of the fantasy bullshit that doesn't really pay off in the movie at all, but it's acknowledged in this one-line description. I'm like, uh, no, yeah, that's that's kind of the movie. Pretty much. Wow. I'm shocked. But anyway, so... As I recover from that shock, Captain Cash, do you have a one-liner for us? What if Drive Angry had the courage of its convictions, but then somehow was also fear and loathing in Las Vegas? No, that, that, uh, yeah, no. I, there's a lot of Drive Angry here in this DNA. I agree. Like, like I this is what Drive sense. Angry wished it had. Yeah, so exactly. Like, yeah. Cage mm-hmm. got like a, you know what? I'm going to show them what drive, drive angry could have been if they'd have just let me. Like, God had they not been cowards. cowards. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I got you. Not that. Captain Cash, that checks out 100%. T dubs, how would you describe this movie in one sentence? If you're a backwoods dipshit demagogue cult leader who lusts after Nicolas Cage's woman, F around and find out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, and don't fight Mike Tyson on the plane. Honestly, yeah, that. Jeremiah's got some serious drunk buffoon messing with Mike Tyson on a plane energy. Mike Tyson would end that shit in a heartbeat. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> well, so here's mine. An ill-fated LSD manufacturer and tiger enthusiast gets caught up in a love triangle involving the local church, a motorbike club, and the forestry union. Yeah, tracks. Yeah, it's a little, little obtuse, but I like it. I mean, anyway. Holy shit, he's sort of the Tiger King. Joe Exotic. Joe Chill is Joe Exotic. He's got a pet tiger, and he cooks LSD in a in a abandoned hangar. In the middle of nowhere. Movie, no, I mean, there's something to be, to be fair, said for this. No, but to be fair, one thing this movie does lack is, is probably meth. It should probably have some math this movie's not mathy enough yeah it's supposed to be set in the 80s so not as much meth then oh trust me bikers were totally on crank in the 80s just it wasn't quite as mainstream i mean just just ask brian bosworth no that was was drugs with a z or whatever (laughs) no p2p p2p that's what it was yeah yeah everyone that was from the seminal work stone cold stone cold my god we have watched some terrible oh. movies. This one isn't one of those terrible ones. No, this is this is this is this is this is this is a movie. This is a, a legit movie. It is fine. Okay, so uh, let's get to the plot here. I mean, we've already kind of covered it. 
good news is I have like a single paragraph for this. It's, it might be a paragraph and a half, but let's get through this. Um, Nick Cage is red and he is a lumberjack living with his artist girlfriend, Mandy, in a remote cabin in the woods. She is spotted by a religious cult and targeted for kidnapping by their creepy leader. The cult enlists the help of a mysterious and clearly supernatural biker gang to acquire Mandy. Uh, and then Red and Mandy are both brought to the cult's compound. And the to cult acquire Mandy, you mean kidnapper ass. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how you acquire a human being. Yeah, sure. Yes, that's uh, the, 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 the way you go about acquiring a human kidnap. Sure, yes. And, and Jeremiah, the cult leader, tries to seduce a heavily drugged Mandy, which this involves like acid to the eyeballs and a sting and from a giant wasp. It's so big and creepy. Yes, that wasp, man. There's a lot of creepy things. Like it was like, like the uh, size of your hand. Practical effects, but that wasp, like, that's intense. That's just a murder wasp. That's we, we we defeated those. Remember when murder wasps were a thing? This movie called it. Um, anyway, uh, but yeah, that does not work as planned uh, because, you know, Jeremiah tries to use not only the drugs, but his failed folk album to seduce her, and she's not having it. So Mandy uh, laughs yeah. at his pickup game and yeah. uh, is then subsequently burnt alive in front of a bound and gagged red. Can wow, we, movie can takes we, a dark turn. Can we stop and just reflect upon how refreshing it is that, you know, even though Mandy has this terrible fate, she's also, she doesn't so ridiculously succumb to this moronic nonsense. No, she's very defiant, yes. Like, she is a like a, a person with agency and she spits in this guy's face essentially. And also mm -hmm. uh, clearly he must've been inspired by Charles Manson. I've never done. Uh, oh, absolutely. This is, this is Manson yeah. family 101, but you know, Charles uh, Manson also a failed musician. So yeah, like you get serious <laughs> Manson vibes from, from him. Yes. This is, this is totally the Manson family. And uh, I just, and think also, also some Buffalo bill vibes too. I just think it's well, great that Mandy gets to do what every chick who's ever been sat down and presented with, oh man, you got to listen to my music, has ever wanted to do. Honestly, this is, it's the equivalent of when Jim Belushi smashes the guy's guitar who's at the frat house playing the music. Like she's yes. just like, no, you suck. Like she just laughs in his face. Yes. She, she literally asked, did you write this? Is it about you? And then she bursts into laughter. It is. Yeah, it's good. It's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, but I also got some Buffalo Bill vibes for him too, because he seemed a yeah. little weird. And it, they do a really good job of making him as unlikable as possible. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. The, uh, I didn't do this for my one-liner, but I really considered the other the other one-liner for this movie is it's Friday the Thirteenth, but them kids really had this coming. <laughs> yeah. Wait, they, like, they sort of poked the bear. Yeah. I mean, it's Friday the 13th if you were rooting for Jason Voorhees the entire so, so time. So you're saying Nick Cage is Jason then? Yeah, very much so. I see that. I, I can I, I can see that. So Mandy's, yeah, okay. That's, that's like a, these dipshits yeah. who hang out in the woods doing drugs piss off the wrong guy. Yeah. It, it pissed off, uh, uh, you know, um, Cameron Poe. Yeah. Again, everything comes back to Connor. Yeah, does, this does. could just be this could be Cameron Poe's dad and why he decided to become an army ranger is because his dad suffered such a tragic ending in the middle of the woods. <laughs> well, 
that, that'll come up later. Hold on. But yeah, so anyway, uh, so, so yeah, as we've indicated, Mandy does laugh at, the, laugh at uh, Jeremiah's pickup game, and she's then subsequently burned to live in front of a bound and gag red. And which this is does brutal. Yeah, which is holy shit. Man, I, is it brutal? I, I, Actually, I mean, at least they, they put her in a bag so you can't see her, but the camera hangs out as the bag is very clearly writhing as it's on fire. Like, and it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. I boy. Fe- I feel like that could have been a little more graphic. I was actually a little disappointed. I feel like they uh, kind of, I think they turned yeah. away from when that. He, when he crawls to her uh, ashes, her ash, ashes, no, 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 but no. her skull I, I, is I, present in the ash. Like, it's, yeah, this, this is not, a really fine work from nick cage like to act and he's just emoting yeah, like, yeah I, okay hold, let's be clear i'm not knocking nick cage here i just think they probably could have done something more awful with that because that well, uh, to mean, me yeah, from a gore standpoint like that didn't that felt like they they turned away from but it the movie was already unrated and plus as you're going to get to right. like they are raising the stakes of like how heinous and obscene this movie gets from but here. Like the, the burning of this, your point. this woman is yeah. like not even the half of it. Obviously, this does set the stage here. And let's proceed with the plot because that's a huge turning point. Because at that point, you know, that sets up the rest of the movie's basic revenge plot. You've now got Red, who's now seen his lover, his paramour, burnt in front of him. And he's obviously out for revenge. Um, he, you know, Nick Cage manages to free himself, and he does mourn over Mandy's ashes, which is powerful. He, he, he goes and finds her skull and whatever's left of her, and yet it's, yep, yeah, he's obviously, uh, <clears throat> you know, forming his revenge plot at this point. And uh, he goes and meets his old friend to collect his crossbow, and that's Can I Carruthers. just pause real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. As far as like the violence and all that, yes, th- they get more violent later. But I do think you have to take a moment and give it to Nick Cage because the fine line that gets walked here between what mm-hmm. he's doing and his emotional reaction of freaking out based on everything that's just happened to him could very easily go so far. It's, you know, it turns comedic again, but it doesn't. It's really kind of sad and creepy and. Yeah, like yeah. this it is, feels that's, very raw. Like you're, no, you're watching ex- something maybe you're not supposed to see. Yeah, no, that's an excellent point. And I'll go back to something that uh, T Dub said earlier about some of Nick Cage's screams and whatnot. He clearly took this seriously, and this is not a vampire's kiss performance out of Nick Cage. He does not well, overact in this role. He that, that plays this straight. It. You know, like he, but well, he, he he made a choice in that movie. In this movie, he chose to play this straight and guttural, and he delivers. He really does. Oh, you feel for Red wholly yeah. and completely. You do. You You're do. watching a person hit lose rock their rock, mind, yeah, and then essentially mm-hmm. just go insane. Yeah, and there, what, there like, is no overacting in this film no, from the like, kid. He's wh- he's playing it straight and dramatic. Where do you go when you lose it all? Like there is no heroic ending to this. It's Taco Bell. Well, I mean, then you'd lose it all again. So <laughs> if you can lose it all and then lose it all again, I would technically say you haven't lost it all the first time. It's a circle of life. But 
no, there's no overacting in this performance from the cage. But anyway, so like he, like I said, he goes and sees his friend. He gets his crossbow. And this friend also conveniently delivers some exposition regarding the demonic bikers, the Black Skulls. Oh, and at this point, Red forges a battle axe somewhere, somehow, for reasons. It doesn't listen, matter. It's cool. It's a cool battle axe. That's, a, that's all the reason you need. It's going to be ask questions. This is called <laughs> the Ash Principle. Like, how did Ash affix a chainsaw to his hand? Doesn't fucking matter. It happened. And he used it, and it's terrific. Like, I don't we care how this axe was made. Yep, we see it on screen. It happens. There's a montage. It's yeah. done. I don't care where he came up with that design. I want to see the axe. It's it's like a Norwegian metal band, but that doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, Red proceeds to take out the bikers and then taste some of their mystic LSD, which then leads him to the LSD's maker, the chemist. Okay. And Red arrives at the chemist's lab and extracts the cult's location from him before killing the chemist. Um, and then Red proceeds to kill the cult members one by one, including a sweet chainsaw duel before finally confronting and killing Jeremiah. Wait, wait a minute. Setting his church on fire. You brushed over something very important. Yeah, please. This pot is a huge fan of axe work. Mm, mm-hmm. This is the best axe throw slash kill we've gotten in any movie, oh, period, bar none. That was going to come up later. I didn't want to spoil it. I was going to give you a chance. But, but yes, the, the Celtic Frost axe throw head split. It's immaculate. But I also skipped over the dick sword. Also, yeah, the dick sword. Because we talk a lot about shoe knives, shoe guns. Mm-hmm. But we haven't had a lot of dick swords. We haven't had a dick, dick knife. And we it haven't had comes a dick up later. Gun. Because we haven't done from dusk till dawn. Well, that made money. Yeah, I gotta tell you, dick knife doesn't seem particularly useful. It is super unsettling, though. <laughs> it was Especially. it was super Cronenberg. That was, like the, that was like by far the most Cronenberg part of the movie. The dude, Especially when you're only attacking to fall on somebody, and if you miss, you're stuck. So, haven't we all been there? But yeah. Yeah, anyway, so. After you get through the axe throw and the and Jeremiah is, is killed and this church is set on fire, I'd like to point out at this point, this movie has been bloody, it's been weird, and it's been fantastic. Uh, Mandy ends with a deranged red having pleasant hallucinations about his dearly departed Mandy as he drives away from the burning cult temple. The movie ends kind of ambiguously. He's, he's sort of happy with himself, but he's also clearly out of his fucking mind. Who yeah, knows what happens next? Yeah, he's insane by this point. Yeah, yeah. it's not good. So cool, cool. But uh, that brings us to our our ratings here, uh, our, 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 our beer rating for the movie. Um, and I'll start first because I'm selfish. At two hours, I will give this a three beer rating. All enjoyment. This movie is the best kind of weird. And there are several great visuals as well as trippy camera work slash effects it's it's a solid genre entry this is this is good cinema man this is a fantastic fucking movie yeah i'm right there with you three enjoyment beers i guess you could push it to four because the the opening half hour is a little slow but well you might have to pound one when mandy gets burnt 
That's yes. a little rough. You that's might have to finish your drink there. God, that's brutal. This movie uh, is tragic. It's well acted. It's well shot. Uh, its use of colors and visuals is incredible. It is blocking. The, best, the blocking. Some of yeah. the setups in this are just great. Just great long shots. Kind of genre movie. And it is starring uh, one of my personal favorite actors, of course, as I've talked about. I think. I mean, there's just nobody doing this shit, as I said in, in the opening. Like nobody takes swings like Nick Tate. Nick Cage takes swings, and man, when it pays off, it really pays off. Here's my thing. I want to say, yeah, this is like a three to four beer movie, but I just, I don't think beers are the right kind of like dr- you need to be on drugs for this movie straight acid yeah no yeah mm-hmm. so like it's one of those things where i i can't con- like i can't recommend this to people like i'm trying to think of the people out there that i know who watch these kind of movies and and basically they're both on the pod with me right now <laughs> so it's real hard for me to be like yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna call my mom and tell her, "Hey, mom, check this out." I, I'm not gonna do that. That just would would not work. Like, I, this is a no. real specific movie where if it'll work for you, man, it's gonna work for you. And if it doesn't, boy, you are gonna hate this. <laughs> so, to be fair, I did show this to my six year old, and oh, she's good. been locked. She's been locked in the bathroom ever since. I'm not sure if that's related. Um, I, I'm assuming she's just going through some things. So, presumably, she'll get over it eventually. I don't know. That's, I think Captain Cash nailed it because, for example, my <laughs> wife and I saw The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent last night. She loved that movie. She's not a Nicolas Cage fan. She thought it was incredible, and, but she would never watch this with me. She doesn't no. like to go full weird Cage. This is she a hard recognizes sell. Cage as a good actor, but like she would never watch this. This is not at all for her. She'd probably be upset with me. I was like, oh, we're going to watch Mandy tonight. We're gonna no, no, we're not. <laughs> You're gonna watch Mandy tonight, yeah. maybe, because this it's an intense What's ride. We bullshit. Yeah. It's a very intense ride, but it's worth it if you're willing to take it. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, T Dubs. Uh, we've covered the plot and our beer ratings, so let's take a break here and hear a message from our demonic biker gang pals over at the Hot Nation USA podcast. Folks, we'll see you on the flip side. Hey everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Wobam Entertainment. We're still talking about 2018's Mandy. Let's cover our general impressions here of the film, and then I have some questions for the panel. So, guys, I want to hear your real takes here. What do you think? I mean, this is pretty solid uh, Nick Cage fare, right? This is a genre flick that goes beyond your standard genre schlock. We've already covered that, but, like, yeah, I, I would love to see more out of this director. And frankly, if he wants to work in the cage again, I think that'd be great. I mean, I think it's a weird one. It's one of those movies where 
it's very clearly meant to be a throwback to grindhouse creepy horror deliberately set in the 80s yeah which again is, is we didn't really it doesn't talk pay about off it. yeah like they set this in the 80s but there's no real reason for it other than to evoke the films of that time and right? no cell phones yeah yes. but i mean you could easily explain that that they're in the the woods yeah, whatever. Work, it's yeah. fine yes. fair and and both the characters of red and mandy do not appear to be the cell phone type i mean maybe mandy because she's a, a very fair artist very no very fair though it does so, not come into play at all yeah so it, it is weird that they would choose to do that but all that said it's funky and like it, it's one of those things where I think it's aware of itself, but it's doing so many different things so mm-hmm. extremely where it's the, the film is shot in a very particular way. There is a lot. It's a lot more of a vibe than it is a story, except there is a yes. very simple story yes. of revenge. And yes, what happens is terrible, but then it's kind of paired with this insane, crazy performance by Cage. And the movie is also kind of giving you the, uh, like, that was awful, right? But this is pretty rad, huh? Look, look at him kill these people. So it's like, and I don't think the message is confused. It's just all of the things at you at once. It's real hard to pin this movie down, which is why I can't be like, I can't think who this is for other than us. Well, or people well, who are like sure. us. Sure. Uh, well, it, it, you know, it's it's got Cronenberg vibes. It's got yeah. uh, it's got uh, Stranger Thing vibes as well. Like this is very like a modern amalgamation of a lot of genre stuff that's come out. And I don't mean that in a negative sense. I mean like high quality genre stuff. Like it's yeah, it's this trying film. to capitalize on that. And there are parts where it does fall down. I will admit. Yeah. So to me. Uh, and thinking about his father, George Cosmatos, who had done some movies and then when he went mainstream, basically had every movie ripped away from him, whether that be Cobra or Tombstone or First Blood Part Two, And I, it's like a total like F you to the Hollywood system in the same way that Cage has done that a lot since he's dedicated himself to mostly smaller fare but like here's the movie i want to make doesn't matter how weird it is or how intense it is or whether you give this a, a an unrated or whatever this is my movie and there's something to say for that like i think he understood like i'm going to make this and maybe it finds an audience maybe it doesn't and i'm going to cast the one guy who actually doesn't give a shit about whether this is going to springboard him back into the national narrative. I will say you're right. This movie is unapologetically itself. Yeah. You can tell this is a, this is exactly the movie that he wanted to make. Go, go read like listeners or even listen to the rewatchables about Cobra and just imagine what his father went through directing that movie. Now Cobra was a big hit, but also artistically Holy shit, that would have been a nightmare. That was a movie where uh, Stallone refused to talk to any of his co-stars on set, except for Bridget Nielsen, who he was sleeping with. Well. Yeah, we see how that turned out. <laughs> now he's not talking to her anymore either, but 
Uh, Flavor Flav is or was. And like literally like he was ghost directed by Kurt Russell on Tombstone after the original director got fired. So he came in. Yeah. Second fiddle. Yeah. That's sort of, I mean, that's why, as I've mentioned, I love Nick Cage. Like he embraces the projects like this that, I mean, he was at one point in time, the highest paid actor there was, right. He was getting paid 20 million a clip to make movies. And then, of course, you know, shit happened, which we'll talk more about next week. Uh, we'll sure. an unbearable weight of massive talent, but... Well, hey, hey quick here, T-Dubs. Before we get too far down the Coppola uh, rabbit hole here, let's go back to oh, for, uh, Richard... For the record, yeah. Speaking of Coppola, guess who else hated making mainstream mostly what he felt to be artistically... Compromised. Uh, compromised bullshit. Francis Ford Coppola. He didn't want to make The Godfather, but also that book is trash and the movie is terrific. So Yeah, well, I mean, take what you will from that, but let's talk about Richard Stanley for a second. Yeah, again. Because you mentioned Color Out of Space. Yes, yeah. And and that's his his second feature film uh, effort after the film he sort of directed. The Island of Dr. Monroe. Which is the first episode of the podcast. Which is the first episode of the podcast (laughs) and was so like uh morally defeating for him that he basically quit doing movies for lost years. his mind lost also, his mind lost his first mind, uh, infiltrated the set as the dog man <laughs> and, like so yeah i appreciate it comes full circle uh, it comes full circle yes man yeah. mandy it's a passion project this this is what movies are supposed to be they're supposed to be weird they're supposed to be passionate and this movie is both of those things listen you can be mass market appealing movies and that's great like blockbuster i have no issue with blockbuster movies and i think that's pretty clear but i also appreciate movies that just don't give a shit and this movie gives zero shits that's that's fair so all right let's i'm I'm gonna pull the plug here i'm gonna move on to my my questions about this film i'm gonna ask a couple of the standards and have a couple that are you know more specific but i'll start with you t-dubs do you have a favorite kill Axe throw, 100%. What a framing of that axe throw. Uh, hard Sin City vibes, like the way the color is used uh, on that axe throw. Yeah, but man, that. oh God, I love a good axe kill. That was okay. tremendous. Fair enough, fair enough. That's that's a solid one. Uh, Captain Cash, favorite kill I, from you? I find a great deal of catharsis when he finally kills Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. And even, and well, like... That, Let's be clear here. They have some intense dialogue because I don't talk about that in the plot. Because well, if you if you want to get the full experience well, of this movie, watch it. But there's some weird ass dialogue the, between those guys. It's yeah. the ultimate. The emperor has no clothes. Shit. And also yeah. to your point about Jason Voorhees, that is a Jason Voorhees kill to the mm-hmm. max. Yeah, I mean it. It's full Game of Thrones. The mountain. He, crushes this dude's head and it's with his bare hands and it, it's, it's pretty gnarly and seemingly has an orgasm when he does it yeah I mean, uh, there's something there yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna judge but my favorite kill hands down though is the freaking chainsaw battle again like it's so awesome why does that guy have such a big chainsaw 
I don't care. It doesn't it's matter. It's impractical. It's a, it's a dick thing. Again, it's another dick thing. It's, I it's, see it's, that your shorts so is bigger than mine. I'm like, I, this is amazing. I can't believe this is going on. That chainsaw, I'm sorry, that to me, that's the only character. That chainsaw duel is fucking amazing. Okay, fair enough. Moving on. Um, here's my real question, because there are some pacing issues in this movie, in my opinion, because it does start slow. I'm right there with you, Mammoth Cheese. Good luck with the snorks. But would you have cut the fantasy slash animated scenes from the earlier parts of the movie? I don't because- think they needed cut. I think they needed more stylized. The problem is, like they're they're sort of heavy metalish, but they look. Do they matter? No. Well, I mean, but does any of it matter? There's a lot of like really arty, funky vibe to this movie. Sure, that's so, fair. And it ties. But, th- but those with- are those are completely standalone bullshit, and they don't pay off in the end. Uh, see, I I don't agree because it each one goes to the state of mind of Red's character, and it it ties directly back to Mandy, who herself is a fantasy artist. So my overall thought on those is mm. they needed to be more stylized. Like if if somehow you could have animated a Frank Frazetta, like van painting kind of thing, that would have those would have worked better for me. To to me, yeah, I agree. I, I think it's almost the the art is like leading him as he continues through this journey. Like it's yeah. I mean, I, the reason I think it didn't work is the animation. Like, and I don't know, but it looked a little cheap. It just did. No, no. I, I like the tiger one, though. She eats the green tiger's heart. Like, I like yeah. that one. Yeah. I just don't, personally, I felt it didn't add anything to the movie. That's my opinion. It just, just did not add something. I was like, it was, it was and no, I get it, because it was like, it was, it was uh, uh, somewhat thematic, because she's a fantasy artist. It was part of her character. Like, I got what they were trying to give you. And I'm like, yeah, no, you're just taking up screen time. Because here's the thing. At the end, it doesn't pay off. I don't need any of that to set up the final hallucinations from uh, Red as he drives off and, and sees Mandy in the car next yeah. to him. Uh, like, that, that still works without any of that setup. And there's no other payoff for that stuff. There's, there's just better hallucinations within the movie, but I don't mind them. True. And I also don't, like at two hours, I don't consider this a long yeah, movie. Okay. After That's fair. having sat through a three-hour Batman movie that is inexplicably three hours. like I, I just watched it again. It doesn't get any better. Two hours is not that. It's 10 minutes is what I said earlier in the pod. I think you could cut out 10 minutes. Sure. And I okay. and there's definitely more effective hallucinations, particularly when uh, Jeremiah is talking to Mandy I, and their faces okay. are going back story, and yeah, forth. Story. Oh, my yeah. God. I, I, I did not put this in the pod, but I'd like to point out that was probably what my favorite like effect, like visual effect in the whole movie was in their faces more back and forth. Yeah, it's trippy. I had never seen something like that before. And I'm like, this is this is fantastically effective. I am weirded out. This is awesome. That was, again, I have high ambitions for this director. I want to see what else he can do. But let's move on to my next question, which is, would you have liked to spend more time with the Black Skulls? Captain Cash. They are a visually distinct part of the movie, and mm. they're among the creepier stuff. Yeah, what's 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 with the Cheeto version of uh, Pinhead? Yeah, exactly. So, so in some sense, yeah, that's interesting, and I want to know more. But I think it kind of works because they are sort of 
they they mainly play in part two, right? Where he mm, goes on yeah. his his rampage. Yeah. So it feels a little bit more like its own thing. So I think that's sure. probably the right amount for the the movie. Now, do do I want to see like yeah. a spinoff of them? I mean, I, no, I don't know. I just I, I, I just like in this movie, would you like to have seen more of them? Should they well, have a bigger part in this film? Now, I mean, I don't want to spin off. I'm just saying, like, I feel like you get introduced to the characters, and then here here's my spiel on it. You see Nick Cage fight like two or three of them. You get, you get Dick Knife, you get more face, and the guy, and that's that's kind of it. Like you don't get like a the whole, gooey you dude. Get, you get three, yeah, yeah, three of them. And it's like, it's like I kind of feel like you. I feel like you've introduced these really interesting characters. I wanted to see like a more distinct representation of them because they seem so interesting. So I felt like that short change there. So my point is, would you have liked to spend more time with them in the film? My answer is yes, a hundred percent yes. Sword penis. Sword uh, penis. One thing, like if you if you only see stills of the movie or maybe the trailer even that would confuse you is that there isn't a more uh, a tight link between Jeremiah's crew and these yeah, bikers. They're, they're so, they, they, they sort of seem like the big weird. bads, but they're not. Yeah. yeah, so like it's almost like they're supposed to be the higher beings at first. Like they they call them in with this special thing, and they offer sacrifice and all that. The horn shit. of Abraxas. Yes. So like I, that is what I'd like to know more about because That's like pretty fucking hardcore. Yeah. Uh, in the end, like all of it is demagoguery and nonsense. Like Jeremiah is full of shit. These guys are just drugged out assholes. So that'd be my only thing. Like maybe there was more to the the world building of the film than uh yes these guys are just all full of it well i'll just say this the obvious parallel here right i think we can all agree on this the obvious parallel is uh, the hellraiser franchise oh yeah Yeah, those guys are those guys are effectively cinnabites and we all agree that, like, you know, in, in that realm, Jeremiah would have been Pinhead, and these are his Cenobites, and they should have come together in the end somehow. Like, they, they should have, it should have, that felt like it should have been more important, not in the context of this film specifically, but in terms of the visual language and what we know of genre f- flicks of this type. That was kind of our expectation, right? I think we all expected to see them more involved. To a yeah, like, degree. why why do they listen to Jeremiah to begin with? Any of that, I don't, I don't yeah, need it, need it because basically they're there to get torn through by crazy ass red. But in the end, yes, but yeah, I, I could have used more there. I feel like that's something they wasted because that was interesting. It was, it, it was visually they were, interesting. They were more interesting than Jeremiah for sure. Like, or any of his crew. I'll get. I'll, I'll give Jeremiah a pass, but they were definitely more interesting well, than the rest of his crew. We know what Jeremiah reminded me of. Uh, Last house on the left, right? Yeah, just these sort yeah. of dipshits. Mm-hmm. Although they're like escaped convicts or whatever, but like they're Same really, difference. I mean, these guys are all degenerates. Yeah, the, the the visual appeal of the of the black skulls is just so much higher. Yes. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So, here's probably my favorite question uh, regarding this movie: What franchise would you like to see Cosmatos tackle next? Now, I've already thrown out Hellraiser because I think this guy should direct a Hellraiser movie tomorrow because all of the Hellraiser 
remakes, sequels, whatever bullshit. It's like the last 20 years have been garbage. This guy, he needs to have Cenobites tomorrow. Well, but yeah. what do you guys think? If I'm being totally honest, I'd prefer he keeps doing original stuff like this, but that's fair. Uh, Nightbreed, that's a that's, Ooh, Clive Barker still. I yeah, like that's a the movie that that didn't really do its source material justice. It's super weird. Got a lot of great, like Joe Kane uh, characters to play with. And I think he could crush that. So Nightbreed. I mean, we I kind of feel like we got psychedelic horror out of him with this. So I'd want to see him take something completely different on just to kind of see what, what kind of visual language he would bring to it. So, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, romantic comedy. Just let him go wild because I'd be curious to see what that would look like because I bet it's like nothing I've ever seen before. That's not the craziest thing I've ever heard in this player, but I'm going to stick with the genre stuff, uh, Captain Cash. I would like to see this guy do like a Blade or a Ghost Rider, like, you know, uh, Midnight Suns type stuff. Like, I'd like to see him take, because I feel like if you gave him the uh, backbone of a franchise like that, that is a horror-based franchise, I feel like he could elevate it. Because oh yeah. you, you look at the Nick Cage ghost where you, you look at the Blade movies, they're, they're mostly like it's superficial action stuff with that little horror background. I think this guy could take the horror element of that and take it to the next level. Do something really is, cool I, and yeah. visually interesting with it. Like I don't want him to have an elevate IP. the genre. Yeah, I don't want him to have an IP. I want him to like do his, thing. his own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Should, yeah. should play in his own sandbox. Really, yeah, I get fine. the sense that, like, and as soon as you hand him something where the studio is going to be involved, it's going to not be as interesting because I just think you take a fringe character and let him run with it, but whatever. Yeah, okay, no, so great. maybe get away with that. Yeah, so, okay, big question here. Big question, guys. Big brain time. All right. Better Nick Cage performance Willie's Wonderland or Mandy? Mandy. I was really? not here for Willie's Wonderland, so default it goes to Mandy. This is I'm a, a little. This I'm is a little better torn movie. on this. It's a better movie. It's a better. It's a better movie, but I'm a little torn because I feel like Cage did more with less in Willie's. But he does do more with less. But here he's so emotionally raw. You really he does scream feel in his underpants. The okay. sting of like the loss and the pain he's going through, and then you watch him basically lose his mind in real time yeah i mean just the screaming stuff in the bathroom in his underpants alone it's weird because that that anywhere else kind of should be funny but here it feels sort of obscene like like i'm watching a thing that that feels very like oh no i what am i doing here i'm back to T-Dubs commenting on his dancing at the pinball table. It's... The pinball scene is incredible. And it is also, uh-huh. and as we said, it was improvised, but yeah. there's a lot of just exposed nerve in this movie, and he crushes every moment of it. I will say this. His unhinged, that, that, that still you see of him with his bloody face in the car, just like staring to the side. 
Yeah, and smiling. That's pretty Ooh. fucking pretty fucking impressive. So, all right, I, I might change my mind. I might give it to, to Mandy just based on that. But yeah, whatever. <clears throat> I'll never, I'll never, never tell the truth. Uh, now we've joked about this before. I just want to stick this in here at the end uh, before we go to break. Is this another potential sequel to Con Air? Because I can totally see this as being a Cameron Poe story, assuming his first wife left him or died or something. Everything is a potential sequel to Con Air. Everything. Facts. Facts. Okay. Everything. I'm glad we all agree. Okay. Well, that settles that. Listener, we need to freshen up our Devil's Harvest Breakfast IPAs ahead of the competitive portion of the pod. Up next is the Children of the New Dawn Trivia Challenge. But first, here's a message from our Wobam Entertainment failed folk singing duo brothers from another mother at the Double Turn Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Boss Ross. And I'm the J-Man, and we're the Double Turn Podcast. Every Friday, we bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in pro wrestling, or bringing you a look back to some of the best matches and moments in history. We have it all for you. So check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And you can also give us a follow on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast. And we will catch you on the flip side. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Wobam Entertainment. Now, it is time for the Children of the New Dawn Trivia Challenge. Gentlemen, it's the standard format. Tonight, we've got five questions, multiple choice, and you'll be playing for a box of Cheddar Goblin Mac and Cheese and Nick Cage's Screen-Worn Bloody Tidy Whiteys. Tonight's chime-ins are... That was my favorite shirt, Eric Estrada from Chips, or any of the pod standards. Good luck, gentlemen. I wish you the best. Are you ready? That was my favorite shirt. You read my shirt? Question number one. Red and Mandy are seen watching the 1982 horror movie Night Beast during the film. Night Beast? just so happens to be the first screen credit for this famous director. Who is it? Is it A, Joss Whedon? Is it B, Edgar Wright? Is it C, Zack Snyder? Or is it D, J.J. Abrams? Uh, Hearts and Tarts? Captain Cash. Josh Whedon? It is not A, Joss Whedon. Uh, yeah, you ripped my favorite shirt. I'm gonna go with Edgar Wright. That is incorrect. I knew it was right. Was it Abrams? It's JJ Abrams. He is credited with music by on Night Beast. Uh, I I don't even know what that means. Can I, for the record, state that Joss Whedon wasn't a part of Night Beast, but that's his actual nickname now? So, yeah, just that's that's what, uh, yeah. Ouch. Okay. Well, uh, the score is zero to zero. We'll I was just trying to do math on who would have been around at that time. No, that's the point. That was the joke. I, I, I think he was 12. I don't know how Abrams got on there. Was it music by? Are you sure it's that Abrams? He was the Cheddar Goblin. That's why. Also, that commercial still, is, still is. is fucking phenomenal. And it's amazing. 
we didn't even talk about that being yeah. in the movie. We're going to post oh that on social media. The Cheddar Goblin is the single greatest fake commercial maybe ever. That I, is, second, I know there are a lot most. out there, but maybe. There's more coming up. Just wait. Okay, so, so hey, we're tied zero to zero here. Heading into question number two. What is director Panos Cosmatos' favorite Nicolas Cage film? Is it A, Bringing Out the Dead? Is it B, Leaving Las Vegas? Is it C, Vampire's Kiss? Or is it D, Pig? Farts and Tarts. Captain Cash. I believe that this director is too much of a hipster to go anything as mainstream as uh, Leaving Las Vegas. I don't think Pig Mm -hmm. was out at the time. So that seems incorrect. I, well, and, and I feel like opinion. He, he could have, he could have an opinion later. Opinions. That's fair. Yeah. I'm just guessing when they would have interviewed him about it and working with Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. I, I think Vampire's Kiss is too obvious an answer. So I'm going to mm-hmm. give it to Bringing Out the Dead. Fair enough. Hey, Bringing Out the Dead. That is incorrect. Damn it. Oh, shit. That was my guess. I had, I had a real steal. good... I, I thought had that a was, solid uh, reason that, for that picking that one. Solid reasoning. Solid reasoning. I thought T-dubs that was the most. De- me. Uh, I mean, less obvious, but also super depressing than leaving Las Vegas. Uh, so, but your remaining answers are T Dubs. You have leaving Las Vegas, Vampire's Kiss, and Pig. Take your shot. I think I'm gonna. I'm going with Vampire's Kiss. That's what I would have done. Which you should do because that movie is amazing, and you are correct. That is one point. For the thunderous wizard, I think you now, sir, are in the lead. It also demonstrates to him like this guy's willing to do anything. Yeah, oh, that, that 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 movie is so weird and so good. I, I, it's 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 a thing. Okay, so the thunderous wizard has a one point lead heading into question number three. The director of the Cheddar Goblin Mac and Cheese commercial, Casper Kelly, also directed this short for Adult Swim. Was it A, too many cooks, B, alpha chow, C, goth fitness, or D, mulch town? I want it to be too many cooks so badly. That was my favorite shirt. That is the Thunderous Wizard. And I have to go with too many cooks because I just texted you guys that freaking insane 100% correct you are correct no that's amazing two point league it was too many cooks I watched that shit live I watched that shit I remember being in my parents living room at like 2 a.m like like a decade and a half ago going what what is happening right now Fuck you, Adult Swim. Okay, we'll post that to the uh, social as well because you have to look for the creepy killer guy. He appears very early in the sketch. And frequently. Yeah. So that's a commanding two-point lead for you there, T-Dubs, but we're going to proceed on to question number four. A tie is still a possibility. In the original script, the chemist pet was not a tiger. What kind of animal was it? Was it A, a snake? Was it B, a lizard? Was it C, a gorilla? Or was it D, an electrical eel? Farts and tarts. Lizard. Lizzie the lizard would be correct. Wow. Okay. Now we have a match here. You know why I thought that? 
because he wakes up from his drug-induced haze and sees a lizard. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And, I, and they probably looked at that and went, eh, needs a little more. Yeah. Also, actually a tiger? Spotted, that was a spotted salamander. But yeah. Uh, can we reference that? This is our second feature where Nicolas Cage seemingly battles a predatory cat. But our mm. third feature where an action star battles a predatory cat. I'm a cat. Kitty cat. Meow. All right. Well, we've got somewhat of a competition here. We've got two points for the Thunderous Wizard and one point for Captain Cash. As we head into question number five, the director's father, George, directed which one of the several The Abyss ripoffs released in the 1980s slash 1990s? Was it A, Leviathan, B, Deep Star Six, C, Virus, or D, Deep Rising. That was my favorite. That's my shirt. favorite shirt. I'm gonna give that the T dubs. Uh, yeah, it is Leviathan. God, I love that movie. That's the one with Peter Weller in it, right? I Robocop. Believe so, yes. Yeah, Deep so. Star Six is pretty good too, but Leviathan's better. Which one was wow. Leviathan? That was a the Kraken, right? <sighs> it's, it's just release the Kraken. It's a whale. It doesn't matter. All right. Well, hey, congratulations. It was an orca. Uh, orca. Uh, it's it was a pregnant orca. Regardless, that oh my seems God. the victory there. I No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, take, I take it back. I, I want this director to redo Orca. Oh, fuck yeah. Let's go. <laughs> that, that's my answer from before. I see no faults with that at all there. Captain Could you Cash, imagine that sounds the amazing. long shots on the orca's eye? The I coloration. Oh my god! And like, it's like it's like trippy and like, like, yeah, no. But the, the, uh, uh, congratulations, T Dubs, the Thunderous Wizard. You have won uh, the uh, the the whatever uh, challenge we have here. Uh, you've got some tidy whities and a box of Goblin mac and cheese coming your way. The new dawn, folks. You're, yeah. they're, they're now your biggest fans so congratulations for, for the record listeners you can buy the uh cheddar mac and uh, the goblin cheddar mac and cheese online i so, do not find that surprising it exists uh but a goblin won't puke mac and cheese on your head when you buy Wait, it it's well hold on that's i thought that was part of the deal i'd well, hope right like if you're gonna get it at least you should get puked on i mean it, I don't expect Lucky Charms to, for me to be to, able to actually kidnap a leprechaun. So but, hold, just, I, just be 110% clear here. I did not join the children of the new dawn not to have a goblin barf mac and cheese on my head. That's that's right. I, I thought that was part yeah. of the deal. But I'm calling bullshit Jeez. on Captain Cash's proclamation because why else would you have a burlap sack and a shillelagh? <laughs> what reasons? Oh my gosh. Don't worry about it. Oh my gosh. Okay. So this has gotten, this has gotten worse than I thought it would, but let, let's take a pause here. I'm going to go back to recommendations, which is like the normal part of the, our schedule. And that's what I want to focus on for the moment. So my recommendation for this week is going to be, if you liked Mandy, if you watch this movie on our recommendation or you check it out at some point afterwards, because we've talked about it. If you think it sounds interesting, you should definitely check out uh, the director's first film, 
Um, it was called Beyond the Black Rainbow, uh, which sounds pretty metal. And it is a interesting movie. It's an independent film. Um, he funded it with the residuals from the home video sales of his dad's flick tombstone, which is kind of cool. Fun fact. Um, and it's got, again, it's got serious Cronenberg vibes and I'm talking like it's very atmospheric. Think scanners and like video drone. Um, it's a lot of great visuals. It's a little style over substance, which I think is probably his biggest like hurdle at this point. Uh, it's a little light on the story, but I still think it's worth checking out. And you can find it streaming on HBO Max. And it's it's pretty cool. It's weird and fun. So check it out. Nice. Uh, Captain Cash, would you like to give us your recommendation? So a couple of days ago, I had the opportunity to see everything everywhere all at once. And if you want to talk about weird, absurdist, crazy crap, uh, that movie, it was great. It's multiverse and maybe the best version of a multiverse we're ever going to get on film. Um, wow. It's Michelle Yeoh is great in it. Jamie Lee Curtis is great in it. I do not know how to pronounce this actor's name and I feel bad. Uh, mm-hmm. What's his name? Key Kwan, the, the, the guy who played short round he's, in the yeah. 80s. And, he's Data. Uh, data and Goonies, yeah. Comes back as the husband who is just, like, he's amazing. Like everyone does such a good job. It is such a fun, weird thing that I like. It's it's difficult to describe because as soon as I tell you what happens, it takes away some of the crazy randomness of it. But just a very strong recommendation for me. Check out everything everywhere all at once. Okay, so on that trip, I'm this is sort of a cop out, but I'm recommending the unbearable weight of massive talent because like everything everywhere all at once uh if you like unique movies and uh director driven cinema then you have to support these movies and uh, everything everywhere at all all at once is actually doing really well right now but uh unbearable weight open to like seven million costs about 30 million and we're going to do it next week on the pod and it's yep. so freaking good. And it's so freaking fun. And it's such a celebration of one iconic actor's career. But it's also just a good movie. And it's a buddy movie. And Pedro Pascal is amazing in it. And so go out and see these movies. And uh, secondly, if you have kids, I guess Sonic 2. I really enjoyed it. I took my kids to see it. They love Sonic. We love Sonic 1. I don't think it's as good as Sonic 1. But at the same time, Jim Carrey is having an absolute ball and it is a lot of fun. So it's still fair to say that those are probably perhaps two of the best video they're, game movies of all they're time. They're two of the best. And if you yeah. were to tell me that 15 years ago, I would, I would have told you you're an idiot. But here well, we are. I mean, to be fair, 15 years ago, the Super Mario Brothers movie did still technically exist. Yeah. Yeah. Before they totally erased it. And it ruled. Yeah. But yeah, go see The Unbearable Weight. That way, when you listen to the pod, if there's any spoiler sections, you won't be afraid to dive right in because holy shit, is the movie so much fun. It's so much fun. And T-Dubs, that's a great lead-in because you know, thank you listeners for joining us on this week's episode. And next week, as T-Dubs has already said, we do have our third installment in the Hops and Cage Match Flop series. 
in which we'll be discussing the recently released The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. And I am also happy to report that we'll be joined by a special guest, independent comic artist and writer, Ryan Gutierrez. Ryan will be on to talk about the movie and his newly published independent webcomic, Wes Deacon. And as always, you can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hops and Bioflops. You can find me on Twitter at Chumpzilla8. And Captain Cash can always be found at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most social media. And the Thunder Swizzard can be found on Twitter at Writer TLK. And don't forget, I know he wasn't with us tonight, but he's always with us in our hearts. Mary Cheese can be found at HBOF Make Cheese on Twitter. And don't forget to check out Wobam Entertainment on WobamEntertainment.com. If you enjoy the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to like, share, and subscribe. And don't forget to connect with us on social media. And please, listener, when I pass out from too many beers, lay two high lifes at my feet, put a blanket over me and a pillow under my head so I can cure my hangover when I wake up feeling dead. Take care, folks, and good night.